Well, let us bow our heads and pray before we come uh, to God's word. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. As we come this evening, Father, to open up the scriptures, as we consider your name, Heavenly Father, we want to be careful with your name. We don't want to misrepresent you or speak in a way which is not right about you. And so, would your Holy Spirit come and give the words that we need to hear, words of truth, words of power, words of authority, words which change our lives, words which make us look at you and be amazed and in awe, words that would make us come and adore you, words that would make us obey you, words that would make us safe from our hearts, hallowed be thy name. Amen. Amen. Well, in Matthew chapter 6 is where we find the Lord's Prayer, and uh, we're going to just look at the second line of that prayer, uh, hallowed be thy name. Uh, We'll be in a few places in the scriptures, but hopefully you'll be able to follow uh, where we're going. Last week, uh, we looked at our Father which art in heaven, and I said that any sermon on prayer or any book on prayer should make us want to go home and spend time with our Father in prayer. And I hope that that has been the case over this last week, and I pray that that's the case tonight. But last week, we looked at our Father, and we saw that we have a Father who we can call Father because we are his children, and how we have access to God, and how he wants us to be with him, how he is intimate with us. And we saw how he is also our Father which are in heaven. We saw the blessed balance of how He is our Father and intimate, but he is also Almighty God. And therefore we look at our Father and we see that he is holy and he is just and he is perfect and he is sovereign and he can do anything. Nothing is impossible for him. And so that should encourage us to pray because God wants us to pray. He wants us to be with him. He is our Father, but it gives us incentive to pray too because we know that there's nothing our God cannot do. But I wonder, when you go into your closet and you spend time with your father, maybe you've gone there this week excited, and when you've got there, you've thought, well, what do I say now? And maybe when you go into the closet, you don't think that. But if you look back over this week, or even if you just do an investigation of your whole prayer life, I wonder where the priorities in prayer are. I wonder what you pray about. Perhaps you only pray about your own immediate family. Perhaps you pray for your children to be safe or something like that. Perhaps you pray only for success in an endeavor that you're about to undertake. All those things are are good to pray for. We need to be in prayer for our children. We need to be in prayer for what God has in store for us in the day and days and weeks and months and years ahead. But we also need to go beyond ourselves in prayer. We can perhaps be amazed if we examined our prayer lives to see how self-centered our prayers may be. And the first, of the, th- the first three petitions of the Lord's Prayer 
are thy, directed at God. The second three petitions are us, directed at one another. None of them actually are directed my. We don't pray my will be done. We don't pray uh, uh, my kingdom come or anything like that. We direct our prayers to God and to each other. Now we of course should pray for ourselves, but we need to go beyond just ourselves. And this first petition has the priority of prayer in mind. Hallowed be thy name tells us that God's priority is where our prayers should be headed. And God's priority is God's glory. John Piper says that God's ultimate commitment is to himself and not to us. God loves his glory above all. God loves his glory above all. So prayer is not about arm-twisting God to do what we want him to do. It's not about getting God to somehow fit into the plans that we want to do. But rather, prayer is about coming before God and finding his plans and how we can bring glory to God. We tend to get prayer perhaps the wrong way around. We start with our desires and hope that God will approve. But if we have God as our greatest desire, then our desires will be right and God will answer our prayers. Spurgeon uh, said, Do not imagine that the Lord will give you the desires of your heart unless you first delight in him. And there's the psalm that says uh, the same thing. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And it's delighting in God which is what this first petition in the Lord's Prayer involves. This petition is hallowed be thy name. And in order to understand uh, what we're going to be doing with this, is we're going to just look at it in two uh, major points. First of all, what does it mean? And then, what should we do? So the meaning of praying, hallowed be thy name, and then the practice of praying, hallowed be thy name. So when we come to the meaning, we have to look at two uh, key words in this, the word hallowed and the word name. Hallowed, it's interesting that it's kept in even modern translations. It's, it, the old English word hallowed is still kept in uh, today. And when we say hallowed, it means holy. It's saying, holy be your name. But it's not praying for holiness to be given to because God is holy. He is already perfect. So we're not praying that God would become more holy, but rather we're praying that he would be recognized as holy. But holiness here isn't just about morality. Holiness is about being set apart. It's praying about God being set apart as completely other, completely unique. That's hallowed. Set apart, unique, completely other. So we hallow by setting, or hallow his name by setting him apart completely in our minds, in our hearts, in our worship. But in this sense, we can hallow anything. We can hallow our phones if we, mobile phones, if we set them apart and, and, and do whatever they tell us to do and all those kind of things. We can worship them. We can worship 
or hallow creation. We can hallow our homes in this sense. We can love our houses so much that we treat them as completely unique and completely other to anything else. Even as we heard a couple of weeks ago, we can do it to our sofas. We can hallow anything. To hallow is really to worship and to give glory to. And the Lord's Prayer teaches us here that we hallow his name. Hallowed be thy name. Now, the name in the Bible is is different to how we perhaps think of a name. In the Bible, the name describes who someone is. So my name is Stephen and it means crown, but I'm not a king. So I don't, I have no royal authority or anything like that. Even though my name means crown, it has nothing to do with me. In fact, I'm named after an uncle that died in the Falklands War. So my name has meaning, but the meaning of my name has no meaning to what I'm like. But in the Bible, it's totally different. In the Bible, the name describes somebody. So Abraham means father of nations. Moses means drawn out as of water where he, as, because he came in the bulrushes and uh, Pharaoh's daughter pulled him out, drew him out of the water. So the Bible's totally different. The name is who they are. And around the world, uh, that still is the case in many places. God's name is who he is. And so in asking for his name to be hallowed, we're asking that he is set apart and revered and worshipped alone. He is treated as completely other, completely unique. There is an exclusivity in this petition. In this petition. Hallowed be thy name, not anyone else's name, not anybody else or anything else. Hallowed be thy name. The Bible often, in fact, puts verbs in front of God's name to tell us how to respond to God. In the Psalms, there's loads. For example, uh, I will wait on thy name. I will praise thy name. I will love thy name. Call upon the name of the Lord. I will glorify thy name forevermore. I have remembered thy name. So the name of God is God himself. And in these uh, Psalms here, we're being called to wait on God, to love God, to praise God. And in the petition, in the Lord's Prayer, we are told, hallowed be thy name. But what is it we're hallowing? How does the Bible describe God? Well, we had our reading in Exodus 34. And Exodus 34 is a really good place to be to look at the truth of the name being not just what someone's called. Because God said to Moses uh, in verse 5, the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name. He proclaimed his name, the Lord. And then when he proclaimed his name, what did he proclaim? In verse 6, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. See, my name just means crown. God's name. We can't possibly even describe all of God's name, but the Bible gives us much revelation on who God is. And here we see so much just about God in Exodus chapter 34. 
But in the Bible, when we think of God's name, in the Old Testament especially, there are two names that are used most often. And when we come to this and we look at God's name, in this first section that we're looking at, our hearts should be drawn to God and be in awe of God. Uh, I I really want us to, to look at God tonight, look at his name and just think, wow, and be in awe of God. That's, that's where we should be. That's the direction of this petition. We should look at God and say, wow, God is awesome, truly awesome. Because we can't do any of the practical applications of how we hallow God's name until we recognize how awesome God is. In fact, we can't live for God as we ought to live for God until we recognize God is an awesome God. God is a holy God. God is all these things that the Bible describes him as. And just to say as well, when we're talking of God's name, the Bible gives us so much uh, revelation about God, but God is also beyond our understanding. He's far greater than we could comprehend. But the first name uh, to tell you about that the Old Testament uses is the name Elohim. Elohim. And it's the general name for God, translated in our Bibles as God. And when the Bible uses Elohim, it uses it to describe God. It describes what he is like. And it can do this in uh, one of two ways. First of all, sometimes it adds uh, phrases to the El in Elohim. So for example... You have El Shaddai, God Almighty, or El Elyon, God Most High, or El Olam, God Everlasting. But whenever it uses that word Elohim to call God, it also describes what he is like within the passage. So in Genesis chapter 1, we have God in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it describes God as the sovereign creator of everything. Being a general name of God, it's also used in the Bible to describe false gods. But when it does so, it uses the name in description of their fallacy. So for example, 1 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 26 says, For all the gods of the nations are idols, but it compares them to our gods and it says, But the Lord made the heavens. So it's a general name for God. But the Bible uses it to describe what our true and living God is like. And from this name, you can see why God is to be hallowed and set apart and revered and and seen as completely other. Because he is the one true God. He is powerful. He is everlasting. He is the creator of all things. He is almighty. So we say, hallowed be thy name. But God is also given a name in the Bible that is a personal name. And that name is Yahweh. Only God's people call God Yahweh. And although in the Bible it's used quite early on, for example in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 26 we read that at that time people came to call upon the name of the Lord. People began to call on the name of the Lord. In Genesis 4, we find the name explained in Exodus chapter 3. So if you want to turn to Exodus chapter 3, it's an important place in the Bible to to see 
uh, God's name. Exodus chapter 3. The context here is God is calling a reluctant Moses to go to Egypt and be used by God to deliver Israel from slavery. And God is speaking to Moses through the burning bush. And this is what we read. So I'm going to read from verse 13 to verse 15. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. It's the personal name of God for his people. And I am what I am, translated into the Hebrew letters YHWH. And from there, we get the word Yahweh. The other uh, letters in it are added in there from the word Adonai, which also means Lord, but as in Master. And in the Bible, you'll be able to tell what this means because Lord is in capital letters when it's Yahweh. That's the easy way to look at it in our Bibles. And the name was so holy that the Jews could not even speak it aloud. They would use, the, they would use Adonai, which is Lord, or they would just use the term, the name. It was so holy, they couldn't even speak it. And I am what I am is a good, uh, another way of describing God. He is self-existent. He is self-sufficient. He is unrestricted in any way. He does not change. He is faithful. And his faithfulness was shown in the context of Exodus by delivering his people from slavery in Egypt. God is Lord. He is powerful. He is faithful. And he completes what he starts. I am what I am. And like with Elohim, there are other names added to Yahweh to describe God's faithfulness. So Yahweh Jireh, the Lord provides. Yahweh Shalom, the Lord gives peace, for example. So you can see why we pray, hallowed be thy name, because our God is holy, almighty, everlasting God, who is Yahweh, our personal, loving, unchanging, and faithful, never-ending, self-existent God. He is worthy of our worship. Hallowed be thy name. So when we we pray, hallowed be thy name, we are praying for God, for Yahweh, for our God to be revered and to be displayed as he reveals himself to be. But in the light of the New Testament, there is another meaning to this. And we find that in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 9. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through to 11. I'll give you a moment if you want to turn there. Philippians 2, 9 to 11. This is uh, Paul the Apostle writing to the church at Philippi. And here he is uh, talking about Jesus. Talking about Jesus. 
he says, Therefore God has exalted Jesus to the highest place and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All of what God is described in the Old Testament is seen in Jesus. And Jesus has been given the name above every name, and in his name, every knee will bow. In uh, John chapter 17 and verse 6, I'm going to read this verse in the authorized version because it helps with um, what I'm trying to say. It says, I have ma- Jesus says, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me. I have manifested thy name. John 17 verse 6. Jesus says, I have shown forth your name. I have shown who you are. When people see Jesus, they see who God is. And so when we pray, hallowed be thy name, we pray that Jesus too is glorified. And Jesus' name means Yahweh saves. This awesome God who is totally unique, totally uh, holy and perfect in every way, has reached down to us and saves us. And we praise God and we hallow his name because he is also our saviour. When we, we look at God and who he is, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, when people saw God, they, they fell down. And in Exodus 34, what did Moses do in verse 8? And Moses bowed down and worshipped. And when we look at who God is and we see his greatness, it, it causes us, or it should cause us to tremble. But then we look at Jesus, the God who died for our sins and gave us that access. And so we pray, not hallowed be my name, although we can be tempted to worship ourselves. We pray not hallowed be my iPhone, although we can be tempted to worship those. We, can pray, we don't pray hallowed be my house or anything else. We pray hallowed be thy name. Because he is God. He is Lord. He is Jesus Christ, our Savior. And we worship him. Now I could, if we, want, if, we, if we wanted to go through the Bible, we could see the descriptions of God and we could be here till the end of time. In fact, I, I personally think we will spend all of heaven getting to know God's name. He's so uh, beyond what we can possibly comprehend in many ways. But we praise God for what we do know, for what he has revealed. And we worship him and we say, hallowed be thy name. So we've seen the meaning of hallowed be thy name. We, we see it's to treat as holy God because of who he is. But what about putting this into practice? How do we hallow God's name? How do we pray this? Because remember, the Lord's Prayer is a skeleton from which we pray uh, multiple things. We pray, our, our prayers come from the Lord's Prayer. We don't just pray the Lord's Prayer and then go our, our ways. Well, there's a, one quote that I want to just put up on the screen that helps to define the petition, Hallowed Be Thy Name. I found this helpful. I don't know if you do or not, but it says this. 
the pious, it's the pious desire that God's matchless name might be revered, adored, and glorified, and that God might cause it to be held in the utmost respect and honor, that its fame might spread abroad and be magnified. And there's much in that, but what he's saying is that it's that God's name, who God is, is revered, adored, glorified, lifted high, respected and honored, and that his fame is spread abroad. So how do we do this? Let's look at the practice of praying, hallowed be thy name. Now I said that as we go through these messages, we're going to, we look at the, the, what it means, and then we get very practical, because I think that as we come to prayer, we need to be practical. We need to understand, what do I do? How do I pray this? So what we're going to do now is look at practically how do we do this, and then very practically how do we do this. Okay, so how do we pray, hallowed be thy name? Well, first of all, when we pray, hallowed be thy name, we just worship God for who he is, we adore and revere him. So number one, worship God for who he is, adore and revere him. Any one of those names of God, you can look at, uh, get some uh, books or concordances or different things and just study God's name. Study how God describes himself, think about them, meditate on those names and then praise God for who he is. That's the best place to start. In fact, that's the only place to start. When we pray how to be your name, begin with God and who he is and praise him. Stew over those wonderful, uh, amazing ways the Bible describes our God. And they should cause us to worship. Because it does draw our attention from self to God. And we say, wow, what an amazing God we have. So number one, worship God for who he is. And worship is powerful because we become like that which we worship. And as we worship God and as we praise him for who he is, we become transformed into the image of Jesus, the full manifestation of who God is that we have seen. So we need to live in the presence of God, of who he is, and and just meditate on those things. And as we study God's name, who he is, and and our, our minds are changed as we worship God, and then our hearts are changed. It starts in the mind, it goes to the heart, and then our actions become as they ought to be. So we must start with worship of who God is. But secondly, the second practical point, when we pray, hallowed be thy name, we pray that he would be glorified in obedience or by obedience. We pray that he would be glorified by obedience. We pray that God would help us to honor his name in the way that we live. Now the Bible describes us as ambassadors for Christ. And an ambassador is a good illustration, isn't it? Because we know, for example, all over the world, the British have, we have ambassadors in different countries. And those ambassadors represent the British government. What the British government tell them to say is what other people see Britain as. How they behave is how, what people think of Britain. And there can be diplomatic incidents of Terrible uh, ways if the ambassador misbehaves in some way or does something wrong. And we are ambassadors for Christ. We should be speaking out 
what our God tells us to speak. We should be acting out what our God tells us to act in the presence of other people. In the Sermon on the Mount where this very same prayer um, is spoken, Jesus says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So people ought to see us living for Jesus and as they do so, say glory be to God in heaven. They shouldn't say, by the way, what a good person you are. Glory to God. Disobedience does not hallow God's name. Some of you may know uh, the story of Moses in Maribah Kadesh in Numbers chapter 20. I'm not going to read the whole story because the time is ticking away. But if you want to read it at home, it's in Numbers 20 and look at verses 1 to 13. But just briefly in the story, God's people are desperate for water and Moses seeks God's help. And God told Moses to speak to the rock and it would pour out water. But rather than do that, Moses disobeyed God and in anger he struck it twice with his staff And Moses then was judged by God by not being allowed to enter the promised land. Moses disobeyed God. But in Deuteronomy 32, Israel are about to go into the promised land. And in Deuteronomy 32, 51, God explains again to Moses why he cannot go. He says, You broke faith with me in the presence of the Israelites at the waters of Mariah Kadesh in the desert of Zin because... You did not uphold my holiness among the Israelites. You did not uphold my holiness. In other words, you did not hallow my name. And so Moses, this the, the great leader of his people, could not go because he did not hallow God's name. Lousy Christian lives reflect badly on the name of God, and it is serious. It is serious. You've heard the phrase uh, about children when they, they, um, they're a credit to their parents. Because when you look at the children, it's, it, 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 you, you think of the parents, don't you? Now, are you a credit to your heavenly father? When we begin each day, we should be praying, Lord, hallowed be thy name. I pray, Lord, that you would help me today to obey you. And to follow the commands that you give me in the scriptures. Help me, Lord, not to be a bad ambassador, but a good one for Jesus. That people may see my good works and give you glory. Hallowed be your name. So we should pray that for ourselves, but also for one another. We should pray where we struggle. We should pray with others and share our struggles that they would pray with us that we would hallowed God's name. Thirdly, We pray that he would be glorified in the way we speak of him. We pray that he would be glorified in the way we speak of him. So we need to hallow God's name in our speech. So we don't participate in blasphemous jokes or conversations about God that are inappropriate at school or at work or in our families. We should not use God's name flippantly by saying things like, God told me that we should do this. Or, I have a word from the Lord for you, unless you are absolutely sure that that is from the Lord. We have to be careful with how we speak of God. We have to be careful too when we speak from God's word. So we shouldn't be avoiding, for example, uncomfortable truths that God tells us to give and hide them 
That doesn't hallow God's name. Fourthly, we pray that he would be glorified in our evangelism. Often we think the petition, your kingdom come, is the one that relates to reaching the lost. Whereas actually, the primary purpose of evangelism is not their salvation as much as it is to glorify God. In his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, John Piper tells of how worship is actually the reason for mission. He says mission is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Mission exists because worship doesn't. Mission begins and ends with worship. Why are people saved, brought into God's kingdom? It's so that they can worship God. So when we pray, hallowed be thy name, we are praying that others would come to know and worship the God we know and worship. We pray that others would hallow his name. And they do so by being saved. Furthermore, in doing this, we're giving glory to God for conversions, aren't we? We're saying God is glorified through salvation. Often, if, for example, if um, we had uh, many people uh, come to faith in our church, how tempting it might be for those leading those ministries to take the glory and take the credit. But when we say, hallowed be your name, we say God's name be glorified. And that's the fifth point, fifth, fifth one. We pray that God's name would be glorified, not our name. We are so tempted to make a name for ourselves. We're so tempted to seek a pat on the back or an applause from a crowd. And in the, the Sermon on the Mount, before uh, he talks, uh, says the Lord's Prayer, Jesus talks of the Pharisees and how they like to be applauded by men and seen by them for their fasting and their arms And yes, their prayers. In the Bible, we have examples. For example, the Tower of Babel. In Genesis chapter 11 and verse 4, it says, They said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. And God came down and he scattered them. In uh, Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar says, Is not this great Babylon I have built as a royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? He was taking glory for himself. And God took him and made him act like an animal to teach him to hallow God's name. And in the end, he did. He praised God. And that reminds me that as we pray that God's name be glorified and not our name, it's a serious prayer. Because if we pray that God would humble us, That can be a very painful experience, but we need to pray this. God, would you be glorified and not me? I have to pray this often. I have to pray this often. It's so easy for a preacher to take the credit and take the glory. I'm ever so challenged by a book that Spurgeon wrote called Only a Prayer Meeting. He said in that book, Our God takes care always to have security that if he works a great work by us, we shall not appropriate the glory of it to ourselves. In other words, if we get the credit, God will not answer the prayer. He answers prayers that give him glory. He also then went on to say that some trumpets are so stuffed with self that God cannot blow through them. (laughs) I pray that God would get rid of the self, that glory would go to him. We pray, hallowed be thy name, not hallowed be my name. And then sixthly and finally, we pray that he would be glorified in our church 
worship. At church, the songs that we sing, how we pray, what we teach, and the way we teach it should hallow God's name. Our church services should be Godward and not man-centered. We should not come to church to make us feel good as much as to hallow God's name. And we are praying as we pray, hallowed be thy name, that God would be on display. And our church services should reflect that. When people leave our services, what do they go away declaring? Do they go away declaring, isn't God wonderful? Or do they go away saying, great preacher, great musicians, great coffee, or or whatever? We want to pray that they go away saying, what a great God we have. Is our enjoyment of worshipping God in the way we like to more important to you than actually honouring his name? That's an important question to ask. Is our enjoyment of worshipping God in the way we like more important than being honourable to God? And we have to ask those questions of ourselves and say, hallowed be thy name. Additionally, linked to church worship is the way we treat each other as a church. Jesus said in John 13, 34, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. By this will all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. God's name is not hallowed when as a church we treat each other poorly, but it is known by our love for each other. So let us pray that God would deepen our love for one another and as a fellowship of his people that we would glorify his name. We pray that he's glorified in our church worship. So let's go from the practical to the very practical. How do we, what do I do when I get home? How do I pray this? Well, here are some things from those practical points. First of all, find some of the names of God and study them. I really encourage you to do this. Go and study God's name. Meditate on them. Praise God using them. Perhaps even find some hymns that talk of his name and sing them. We've, we've got lots tonight. But we've got a few more to come. Sorry, it's a bit late. But we're going to sing and praise God's name. Secondly, pray for yourself and each other to live in obedience to God. Perhaps uh, may I encourage you to find someone that you can trust and ask them to pray with you and for you, and ask how you're getting on in areas where you struggle with obedience. Be accountable and pray together. That's a really good thing to do. Thirdly, as you sing to God, starting in a moment when we sing, think about what you're singing, and pray that when you speak God's name, you're thinking about it. You don't do it flippantly, but we think about what we sing and what we pray. Fourth, pray for opportunities to share the gospel and the boldness to take them. Pray specifically for individuals that you know to come to know God and hallow his name. Pray for your neighbours, pray for your families, pray for the world, pray for our village, pray for the surrounding areas that we would hallow his name. Uh, Number five, confess your pride to God and pray that his name would be glorified instead of your own. And be prepared to take seriously the prayer of humility, that God would do whatever it takes to humble you before his holy and mighty name.
And then finally, uh, pray for the people who prepare the services on a Sunday. Pray for the musicians. Pray for the Sunday school teachers. Pray for those that preach. Pray for those that pray. Pray that people would leave our services to glorify his name and not the name of anybody, any any individual. And I would even encourage you, uh, we have a funeral this week where lots of people are going to be visiting our church. You know, let's pray at the funeral that it's the name of God that is glorified above all other names, all other people, all other things. Well, what we're going to do now is we're going to sing a couple of songs uh, praising God's name. After we've sung uh, a couple of songs, we're going to have a a prayer uh, from uh, Kevin. He's going to pray for us with this all in mind. And then after we've prayed, we're going to finish with Behold Our God. So let's uh, stand, let's sing, let's praise God, let's think on his name, and let's give him glory as we stand and sing together.